started streaming. <laughs> start, the, start the stream. Okay. <laughs> Microphone check. One, two, one, two. Hello. We are back. We're back again. With a, with a, with a title now. We are with a title now. It is, um, <laughs> cash and <laughs> guns. I don't know. What is it? Tango. Tango and cash. That's not the movie we're reviewing today, trust me. But uh, we are cashiers and critics. Cashiers and critics. Exactly. Checks and balances. <laughs> and giving us, uh, giving you guys an opinion about what movies we watch, our TV shows, whatever. You so they probably ask, why would I listen to these random dudes instead of anyone else? The answer is, we're normal. I don't freaking know. Like, <laughs> We're normal. It's your choice. If you're bored, you can listen to us. If you don't want to, you don't want to. You know? Look, guys, guys. We're just we're just two regular dudes who just enjoy talking about films and really okay, apparently guys. depressing films. That <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Like we've the past two films we're doing are just I don't know. They're just about have to do with depression and psychotic characters. Oh yeah, we're doing Nightcrawler this week, by the way. Yes, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Um, so I suggested this film to you. So this was actually your first time watch. Yeah, this was my first time. I had no idea what the film was about. The only thing I ever heard about it was the aesthetic was very similar to Drive. Mm. Which, sort of, yeah, I guess it takes place in an urban area. It has that sort of night... Mm-hmm nightlife sort of backdrop to it but other than that it's not really that similar to drive in all honesty yeah uh actually like oh uh, have you ever seen a uh, collateral collateral yes i have i saw that a long time ago but yeah, yeah with, i saw it a few times actually with um tom cruise uh jamie fox right yeah michael mann directed it um, I I feel like when I watched this movie, like it very gives me that reminiscent of Collateral. Really? Yeah, because it's very dirty L.A. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in terms of the aesthetic, it's closer to the to that movie than Drive for sure. Exactly. Like you barely see see scenes in the in the daytime, you know, and like when it becomes night, like it becomes in itself a like a character. In the film, that's true. I mean, it's where pretty much everything happens. Yeah. So, yeah. And although Collateral took place over one night, right? Like yeah, the whole it did. Plot happened in one night. Yeah. Well, this is obviously multiple multiple weeks. So obviously, when we're talking about this film, we're going to be talking about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. As we're going to start with start start right off. Start right off because I honestly feel like Jake. Obviously, he is. The standout. Yeah, I mean, he is the core of the film. It's Jake Gyllenhaal, um, just to summarize, he's Jake Gyllenhaal is playing a character named Louis Bloom. Or Lou Bloom, whatever Lou, he likes to call himself. He prefers to call himself <laughs> Lou Bloom. Louis Bloom is... Mm-hmm. In the best way to summarize him is he's somewhere in between Patrick Bateman and the driver from Drive. He doesn't... He's... Yeah. He's about... <laughs> He has about as many social skills, maybe slightly more than the driver from Drive, but he has no sense of morality. Yeah. But he's less over the top than Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And so, still, 
I want to say he's less egotistical than Patrick Bateman, but he's still pretty fucking egotistical. Yeah, I, yeah, I can agree with you on that one. I mean, like first what the first scene you're already seeing him like mugging a security guard because he's out here trying to steal equipment so he can later sell it to people. Yeah, and then he steals his Rolex as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I first the first scene, I was kind of like, okay, I get it. This guy's like. A, thief he's probably like comes off manipulative he's a bit of a jerk yeah but i didn't really think like up until the scene after that that where it sort of shows he's just very not normal where he's um he's trying to sell this stuff to the foreman he he's negotiating with him like i'll do this this amount he's like okay whatever Mm -hmm. i'll sell it and then after he's done doing that, he immediately tries to go give a like impromptu job interview for the place he just sold stolen stuff to. The guy's like, "I'm not hiring a thief." Yeah, and he's like, and he just kind of looks at him like, "You think that in like in 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 his universe, like that would work?" <laughs> when clearly, like, no. That sort of like is the introduction of his character, and sort of the recurring theme is he tends to use a lot of business jargon slash self help jargon that he's heard online or he's read somewhere yeah to sort of sell himself and that's constantly what he's trying to do throughout the whole movie is sell himself negotiate with people although the negotiations later become less negotiations more just straight demanding demands slash blackmail slash manipulation yeah which is more true to his character but yeah that's what I feel like that's like when you start seeing like you start peeling more layers into his psyche at least you know it makes you wonder like like what kind of backstory that this guy had but you know i actually like that they didn't really give too much away like yeah he's just sort of he's just sort of there he just kind of starts in the movie and then you're just introduced to him and you don't really find out more i think at one point one of the characters actually asks him about his background he just says oh i'm from the north and that's about as much as you learn about his background, which isn't really anything, because you already knew... That he was from Cal... That he's uh, in L.A. Oh, yeah. So, Maybe he's from there, yeah. And that, who knows if that was true or not. Exactly. And uh, I just... I, I like the fact that they didn't give him a backstory. Uh, I was reading how he... Uh, the director didn't want to give him a backstory, because they didn't want him to feel... They didn't want the audience to feel sympathy for him. Yeah, no. He is... Um, Throughout the whole movie, I was watching it, and I'm just like, every time he did almost anything, I just felt uneasy or uncomfortable watching him. Yeah. It's sort of like an uncanny valley sort of response, where he's like a robot or an alien that learned about our culture through watching, like, 80s (laughs) 80s Wall Street movies. Right. And this sort of is trying to fit in, and he just... He doesn't come off as, like, an actual human being. Yeah. But it's, like... So what does he end up doing in, uh... Has a job where we see him in the beginning of the movie. He's trying to find a job, obviously. Um... Do you think he is trying to find it? Actually, side question. Do you think he's trying to find something that's brand new to him because he got tired of the old things he was doing? Or he literally just started from the bottom and just... Um, made his way. I think it, it's slightly both. He's probably trying to find something that like interests him, but also I think he just has a hard time 
having a normal job. Like, he just won't fit into any sort of work mm. culture that exists. Yeah. Which is, like, why he why he becomes... The, the plot of the film is he he's driving home one day from the selling his stolen goods, and he sees, like, a car crash on the side of the road. Yeah. And he pulls over and starts, like, going looking at it. And these guys come out with a bunch of cameras and start filming it. Mm-hmm. And he finds out they're freelance photographers or journalists. Or oh, they have a name for it, but... Uh, they're called stringers in the film. Stringers, yes, yes. They're called stringers in the film, which I guess is their actual terminology. Yeah. But he's sort of intrigued by the whole idea of getting paid to just sort of film these... <laughs> People dying or... Horrific being incidents. <laughs> yeah. And I guess also just him working for himself because... Uh, as later admitted, he does not like people yes. at all. Yes, that which is, true. is very believable based on his actions that happen throughout the film. Yeah, he just uh, and then this really, I guess, what draws him into it is just his ability to have his own autonomy over his decisions and not have to work for someone or because he's the kind of guy you would hire and then he don't, wouldn't agree with you on something and then he'd just steal your shit and leave. Yeah. And then he, I could see him and then he that. would try to make it seem like it was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I could see that happening. There's uh, no way he would fit into like a regular corporate nine to five job right. where he has to like take orders and do things a certain way. Yeah. He's gonna do things the way he wants to do them. Yeah. Uh how about like the supporting cast? Like again, like Jake Gyllenhaal's in this film, like the entire time, if I'm not mistaken, he's in every he's scene. In every scene, um, yeah. But there is still a supporting cast. And what did you think of certain? Um, supporting cast was okay. I mean, they weren't super prevalent in the film. I mean, mm-hmm. the performances were fine. Like, I don't have a problem with the performances for the actors. I mean, obviously, the most pre- there's only the two, two most prevalent characters were uh, his uh, employee. A quote unquote employee Rick, and then his um, yeah uh, employer slash love interest slash uh, boss. <laughs> I don't know. I guess or the person he sells to. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was her name in the film? Why can't I remember? Uh, I can't remember either. I know the actress's name. I know she's uh, Renee Russo. Uh, I don't know. I, I what, whoever Rene Russo plays, I can't remember the name. Nina, it's not Nina. Is it? I think it is Nina. Anyway, yeah, those are really the only two supporting characters. There's right. a couple others throughout the film. There's the um, there's like competition stringer is a guy who got him into it. Which is funny because it's Bill Paxton. I I thought that was a hilarious. Oh, not hilarious, but more like oh hey, it's Bill yeah, Paxton. Uh, a detective. <laughs> Love to see him. <laughs> they have a detective who shows up in a couple scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, back to Rick's character, uh, Rizamon's character. He's, uh, honestly, I, he is literally the soul of the film because he's like the only one that has any sort of morality. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, out of all the characters, like you could say, like maybe the detectives were, but like they didn't really have a character. They were just kind of there. It's a plot device. Yeah. He's the only person who ever sort of tries to. Talk to Jake Gyllenhaal, Lou. Lou, yeah. Let's call him Lou from now on. Talk to Lou um, as like another human being, mm-hmm. and almost as a friend, really. Even though 
it's very clear he's being exploited by him. Yeah. Like, this man is essentially paying him nothing to do these dangerous... Yeah, paying like $30 him $30 a night. $30 a night to seven days a week to be up all night driving around while this man drives like a maniac. Yeah. He drives down residential streets at like 80 miles an hour. Yeah. With like no regard for his safety. Yeah. And just like he's... But at the same time, he's still trying to like... At one point, he tries to reach out to him and just be like, "Hey, man, you gotta realize you just don't understand people." Like, yeah, like, I'm trying to help you here. Oh uh, well, that's like the end of the film when he starts like talking back to him in a sense, right? Like, I feel like throughout the film, he starts gaining his confidence or speaking up more about it. And like in the beginning, where you know, like being okay with thirty dollars a day is. Well, I mean, for anybody, I don't understand like how you would take that, you know. Well, his character in the film is homeless. He's made out to be extremely desperate. So yeah, it's sort of just like thirty dollars a night as opposed to nothing. zero dollars a night. Which nothing. Is, what was he going to be doing all night anyway? Probably literally nothing. So he figures, you know, thirty bucks is better than zero dollars, yeah. even though it's a terrible deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the one point where he has a time to negotiate where how much he, his promotion is going to be, man, say $75 like <laughs> a night. I'm like, why? <laughs> $75 a night is like minimum wage. That's He's essentially asking for minimum wage for his shift. He works probably like 8 to 10 hours a night. That's less than minimum wage most likely. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, again, like as an audience member, you're just like, oh, come on, dude. Like, even He was originally going to say 100, which is even still pretty low-balling. Like, he's working, what is it, like 700 a week he makes? I get... The, the, the one benefit I'm guessing is not taxed at all because none of this is legal so yeah I guess so it's just like cold, cold cash so he's getting he'd be getting $700 a week but he'd be working literally every day so yeah <laughs> like for 10 hours 8 to 10 hours a night yeah which is insane no that's again like he is that soul the character and you feel like you're kind of like you follow his morality throughout the film and exactly what does Gyllenhaal get up to in this film? Or, sorry, Lou Bloom. What does he get up to? Yeah, like... Because it starts... It starts has him just filming... Like, incidents and accidents. Yeah, so, I mean... It's just, um... Just a, I guess we're just doing a general synopsis of the film here. We could break down into spoiler territories. If guys, we could do a spoiler territory Okay, I don't even know why here. we need to say this. We're talking about a movie. If you haven't seen the movie, we're going to be talking about scenes from the movie. So, it's just spoilers, preface, from now on, throughout the rest of history, spoilers for every episode we do. There's <laughs> no, there's no, if we want to like break down, break down, I get it. We're not going to not talk about scenes in the film. Uh, only exception is if we watch a newer movie, we probably won't say spoilers. But anything that ha- has passed the... No, I'll say spoilers. I don't care. <laughs> Alright, we're going to put just, a disclaimer for him then, okay? Just go see the damn film. <laughs> okay, so... So, uh, yeah, Johnny, like I said, he starts off... Becomes a stringer, starts filming incidents of you know car crashes, you know fires, and he just sort of uh, is showing just how willing he is to cross the line mm-hmm. 
where he's like literally when he starts he doesn't know what the hell he's doing he's like he doesn't know what the, he has a police scanner to find out where these incidents are he doesn't know what they mean so he's just going to everyone so he first one he goes to is like a I don't know like a domestic dispute or something <laughs> he finally <laughs> almost runs the man over with his car as soon as he gets to the scene right I'm like it's a little <laughs> close and then he starts getting up in the guy's face with the camera and the cop's like hey back away like yeah like, oh, I'm, just, I'm from the news he's like I don't care then he gets up to someone for a drunk driving while and gets right up to their face while they're taking a breathalyzer, which I don't know why he thought that would be news. <laughs> but it just goes to show his man has like no concept or regard for societal norms or yeah. boundaries. He just will he'll just get You get what well, he needs to do anything to get where he wants then, to do. Then he yeah. eventually gets to something which he recognizes was a uh, I think there's a Code 11, which he recognized because in the beginning of the film, the guys met, they're like, oh, there's a Code 11, we gotta go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, okay, this must be good. Right, which right. Is, um, it was a shooting, I believe, a carjacking. Mm-hmm. The victim was on the ground, you know, very, like, he was shot, so it was yeah. a very, it was very graphic. Well, he ends up dying after. Yeah, the, like, they the, said in the news after that. The victim ended. ends up dying, but he's like, the guy, one of the, there's a competition, a competitor, one of his competition is there, and he's filming from an angle, but he's like, oh, this angle isn't good because it's crowded. So he gets, like, right behind the paramedics and, like, right up to the body with the camera, which is... Crazy how he... Which, yeah. naturally, the police officer says, hey, step back. <laughs> right. Like, you can't be right up to people, like a, like a person's, like, body while they're on the ground wounded. This is, like, straight up vulturing over him. Yeah. Uh, just a side note here. This is the mm-hmm. first introduction we get... Well, no, it's not the first introduction we get, but it sort of, like, sets the tone for the soundtrack of the film, where it's... During these sorts of scenes, it's, like, they play this, like, Mm. weirdly uplifting, inspirational music, almost, over these scenes of him doing horrific things, where, like... Right. Like, getting out filming dead bodies, or literally moving corpses around so he can get better shots of them yeah and i'm like why is this like <laughs> why is this like i'm watching chariots of fire here where he's finishing the race and it's like you thought about it after and i think it's supposed to be the soundtrack is like the soundtrack in his head that's playing when he's watching this not yeah exactly it's like from his perspective this is like oh this is a victory for me i'm doing great you know exactly but it's like we're as the audience watching just like what the fuck is wrong with this guy yeah he's this man is has like, no regards for anything this man at is the end out of the here day. literally committing crimes yeah <laughs> And he's just like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm I'm working on my framing and filming. You know. <laughs> anyway, so then he starts like what he just said. He starts framing bodies to put in like better positions for to line with his angles. Yeah, the film follows a natural progression, which he's saying is he gets crosses more and more boundaries from him filming crimes to. Actually eventually, committing just it, committing yeah. crimes <laughs> to basically make his own news. Yeah. And I, I kind of like those scenes where, like, um, well, like, in, like, later when he walks into the mansion. Yeah. And then he sees, a, well, actually before that, he actually commits a crime and uh, slashes one of the tires. Was it? No, not one of the tires. He slashed something for the news van, like, his competitors. Yeah, he, I think he cut his brakes. Because, okay. Because um, one of his competitors was like, hey, man. His one of his competitors realizes this guy is good. Like he's getting to this all the crime scenes before him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Okay, I gotta get this guy on my side." So, 
this competitor, Bill Paxton, comes up and offers him a job essentially. So yeah. I'm getting another van, and we're gonna we're gonna get ahead of everything. And the guy is in. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal not so politely tells him to fuck, fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> he, he actually just says that yeah and uh, he then realizes that like he, didn't, he then realizes this guy actually had a great idea because he beats him to this like this massive plane crash and he also gets to another thing at the same time so he has no news to sell yeah and there's the one the one one of the few scenes where he actually shows any genuine emotion is just rages at his mirror. Oh yeah, I forgot. He actually, uh, I, I was reading about that. He actually uh, cut himself. Like Jake Gyllenhaal himself actually cut himself when he was like strangling the fucking mirror. Yeah, he gets so mad at the mirror, <laughs> he shatters it, and he, apparently he cut his own hand when he was filming, and yeah. it was, that actually happened. So, which is why in the beginning of the film he's sort of standing with his hand behind his back because his hand was cut. At the yeah, time exactly. When they were filming that, scene. which again, like it just shows like if like. To be honest, before watching this movie, I didn't really have a grasp of Jake Gyllenhaal. You see his face, you know who he is, you know. And I already know Darny Durkle from like at that yeah, point. For you the know? for the younger crowd, is uh, Mysterio from uh, Oh yeah, Mysterio and uh, Far From Home. See, but that's after though. Like that's one. Like to me, like I know Gyllenhaal now. Like yeah, but I mean, he's hit that like stage. Like I said, yeah. the younger crowd's not gonna. Necessarily watch Donnie Dark or Fair enough. Jarhead or whatever. Jarhead. October Sky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. I forgot he was in. Yeah. That was his like, breakthrough role, October Sky. Oh, really? That's, yeah. That's, uh. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other movie. Anyways. That's not anywhere to Sidetracking here. Um, where were we? We were talking about how. You were talking about how you didn't really recognize Jake Gyllenhaal as a as an actor. Well, not as an actor, but like a a good actor. Or a great exactly. Actor. Yes, and I felt like with this movie, it just like solidified that. Now that like with other films that I've seen him in, uh, he was in this. It's crazy because I know he was in this film like Nightcrawler, and he lost like what thirty pounds in preparation for the role. And then the next movie I saw him, he plays like a fucking boxer. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a wild transformation. So. Yeah, that's like some like Christian Bale level of like commitment. Yeah, I, I, some more trivia. I was uh, watching a couple interviews with him on this, and he's like, people are always talking about his weight loss in the film. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what was your inspiration for this, like the look you're going for? He's like, I wanted to look like I was a coyote. Yeah. So you talk about how you eat only a diet of like arugula and run 10 miles a day mm-hmm. while well, he's thinking like I'm thinking he's a co- trying to get in the mindset of a coyote which is insane obviously but yeah it does fit the character the idea of him being a coyote just sort of a scavenger slash predator right just sort of willing to do whatever it takes to survive yeah to get what he wants mm. no I, I read that too and I thought that was a uh really on par for what he was going for and I, again he successfully delivered that anyway what the hell were we saying we were talking about the uh, right the guy the guy the guy his competitor basically he goes to his house and cuts the brakes in his car and then later they come to this crash and it's like oh it's that's the guy's van and he's like yeah apparently he just uh was driving to the scene and he just like crashed into a pole and his rick's like well how did he crash into a pole and Jake Gyllenhaal just kind of puts his like hand on his shoulder and like doesn't say anything, just walks away. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he cut his brakes, and then he's like 
filming the guy as he's like being taken into the thing and he's like spitting blood out of his mouth and the guy definitely knows what happened he's knows like okay yeah. this guy fucked me over exactly and then it goes into the scene where like again there was a big shootout in the in the mansion and whatnot he they get there like pretty far before the police like like five ten minutes before the police even get there yeah and uh yeah, what were you saying? About no, and uh, I, I like that, like, after the whole scene comes, uh, finishes, and then he takes the, uh, well, he starts recording the guys with the license plate and all that, but when he's showing the news, like, the, the footage to the newscast, I like how, like, th- when they were preparing it for live TV, like, the little, like, cuts that they would tell them, like, I'll oh, say this, say that, because that's exactly... At the end of the day, that's what this movie is really about. Is literally how the media portrays shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I was gonna wait to talk about this, the themes of the film at the end, but it's uh, like, okay, it's well, fine. We're gonna do this. We'll break just, it down we're now. Just talking, <laughs> we're just talking. Um, yeah, basically, at this core, the, the, at least at the most basic level, the movie's about uh, manipulation of the media, like how. It sort of goes out of its way to depict things that are somewhat horrific or tragic. At least, it, I guess, it's more targeted the American media, where it's sort of people are inundated with like fear and tragedy, and how the the demand for that sort of allows someone like Lewis Bloom to excel, to, to excel, to thrive. Because yeah. it's like normally this is the kind of behavior if you saw someone doing on the street, you'd find it sort of unsettling or even yeah. you'd be disgusted by it but it's the sort of same sort of behavior that allows him to deliver what's what people want on the news which is tragedy violence mm-hmm. you know, gore and it's just like is he's not only encouraged to do it, he's rewarded for it mm-hmm. and it's like you're absolutely right about that one he's literally rewarded by it you know and it's like we can literally see him gain more power through this behavior through the film. Like in the beginning, he's trying to. It's showing he always tries to bargain with people. Like he's trying to be like. Oh, how about this? Guard, security yeah. guard, like, hey, you know, like, I is fine. You know, I didn't know it was a trust. And the guy's like, yeah, whatever. I don't believe you. Yeah. Even the foreman, he's like, okay, I'm going to only do this price. And the foreman's like, nope, nope, nope. It's whatever price I offered you. That's it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And, and then, then, and then later, he's, as the film goes on, he goes to a pawn shop and. He's trying to get like eight thousand dollars, and he says insane, ridiculous thing. He's getting trying to ask for eight thousand dollars for a bike he steals, mm-hmm. which he's saying ridiculous things like I won the tour to Mexico, and it's just thirty-seven gears, which is like makes zero sense. Like it'd be a massive bike. Yeah. So and he's sort of successfully negotiates, but as the film goes on, he sort of is able to manipulate people and sort of just demand things from them. And I think in one speech. Up up to the point where after um, right. the whole scene of the shootout at the mansion, yeah, he basically goes on this huge rant to Nina about like, I when I say I want these things, I want them, and I don't want to have to ask again, you know, like yeah, like I'm not asking anymore, I'm, I'm demanding things. Yeah, so yeah, it just progresses into even though these are negotiations, technically it's like not negotiations, and it's always under the guise of negotiations. It's like, well, you can always just like walk away, or I can always just go somewhere else, you know. Yeah, but like really, they don't have a choice. It's well, yeah, I mean, like the the like the character, the news director, she doesn't really have a choice because. He starts finding out more about her, 
and how, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, again, it, it's blackmailing, but he starts investigating her personal life, her work uh, yeah. situations, too. He finds out enough about her to basically say, like, you are dependent on me to mm-hmm. keep your job because mm-hmm. you're on contract, and if you don't do well, you will be fired, and you'll have to start over again. Yeah. Which, obviously, she doesn't want, so he uses that to successfully manipulate her into not only more money, but also to sleeping with him. Yeah, which is... I, I think that, like, that was crazy because at, at the end of the day, like, he's only been about the works, and regardless of how unmorally he was getting his shit like it was still about the work yeah. now it just becomes personal yeah before I was sort of yeah his character is just sort of a manipulative person who's trying to he's morally ambiguous just crossing the line you don't really get to see how sort of psychotic he is and how yeah. just disregarding of social norms where she basically calls him out and says like you know friends don't usually just pressure friends into sleeping with them and he's like, well, what do you mean? They do that all that happens all the time. It's like he says something like a friend is a gift you give yourself. And I'm like, what kind of fuck <laughs> That's like the opposite of what most people would say is friendship. That's right? literally just manipulation of another human right, being into right. doing what you want. Right. And I'm just like, this this film sometimes people refer to it as a dark comedy, and it seems like that in a way of like so ridiculous that yeah. Lines like that, you're just like, I can kind of see what do you mean by... They're, the parts are, like, so over the top. It's, mm-hmm. it's like... It's sort of like... Uh, I did make a comparison to Patrick Bateman earlier. It's sort of those scenes, like the one mm-hmm. famous scene where he goes on about, like, all this 80s music and then right. comes out in a raincoat and then kills the guy with an axe. And But it's sort of, like, almost so over the top is funny. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, going on this, like, long speech about... <laughs> fucking Huey Lewis in the news of all things right and then he just brutally murders a guy <laughs> it's like right after and it's like I, I yeah you know it's funny you just see a lot of inspirations from that to like this I feel like it's like a modern version of American Psycho I feel like this movie could go for that if, if, if there's a way I can describe that like Nightcrawler it would be like that it's a more grounded version of American Psycho. Right. American Psycho is sort of the whole, is this real, is this not sort of thing going on for it. Like, yeah, yeah. You're always questioning whether what you're seeing is like yeah, it, actually happening. Yeah, you're right. It's more of a grounded well, version. Well, this is yeah. like, you're never really like, he, they never really show him to be like so like delusional he's imagining things. He's like, no. he's very clearly aware of what's going on around yeah. him. It's just he doesn't care or he has no like interest in like right. in other people so it just it's, even the end scene well I, I guess we'll yeah we'll get to that because as we said yeah basically a summer film he just becomes more and more willing to cross boundaries and the whole end scene was he basically after the shooting he trails the people who committed the crime these murders and just get to the uh, find out where they are and he's like and they're like Rick his friend Rick is like oh are you gonna call the police he's like no I'm gonna wait till they get to a better spot so we can get a better shot wait <laughs> just, and his spot turns out to be a restaurant yeah they, <laughs> where they're armed which mm-hmm. he's like okay aren't you oh yeah back just back to Rick's character just briefly this is the, oh wait 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 this is the one scene where you get to sort of see his relationship with 
just with Lou with Lou and how Lou views people because like he has no reason to like dislike Rick at all right no even in the beginning like Rick says something like he's just like maybe you shouldn't rush me so much and you think like oh this guy's gonna get mad at him for saying that and he's like yeah. okay you know it's a good feedback you know so he actually tries to take it to heart mm-hmm. it's like he's cause he, I think he's learning as him has like he's learning himself as well as being like a leader or a boss it's only boss, until yeah. Rick starts to realize that he could demand more money from him and essentially just blackmail him yeah which or, is the funny because he's doing that to other people yes but the thing is that's <laughs> that's against him which he literally sa- says yeah. so we'll get to that and he just sort of Eventually, it doesn't sit well with him. He just sort of says, you know, I'm going to hurt you if you don't do what I say. Yeah. So they get to this whole area and they call the cops and say they have a gun. They get there. Yeah. The cops get in a shootout. A bunch of people die. Some cops get shot. Mm-hmm. And they start this massive, ridiculous car chase where it's like they're right behind the cops and then the cars are crashing around them. And yeah. Like, like bodies are like flying. No, it's it's honestly like the biggest like obviously uh, spectacle. In the, the meantime, movie. he's just driving like a maniac. He keeps telling Rick, "You're know, gonna keep filming," you know. It's like, yeah, okay. it's like, but this footage is insane. Like, if you were to sell this to him, he was like, "How would they believe anyone got this legally?" Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like you're essentially fo- they're actually just in a Hollywood chase. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the the whole chase finishes. Uh, the perpetrator's van crashes. They get out and they're like, okay, I'm going to go film it. He gets out and he says, yep, yeah, you know, the guy's dead. Come film it. You make sure you use the zoom. He gets up at the thing. The guy wasn't dead. He shoots Rick in the chest repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, which. Again, it's like, I didn't expect that to happen, really. I like, did expect him to die because it was sort of hinted like he wasn't going to let this slide. Like, there's no way. Yeah. The whole film, you've seen this man will do anything it takes to get what he wants and he won't let anyone stand in his way. Yeah. So there's no way Rick blackmailing him or extorting him for money is going to sit well with him. Right, but in the level of, like, how he got him, like, in that sense. Yeah, I did expect it. It just all worked out for him. Yeah, I did sort of expect it to more happen at the restaurant, which I guess also was what he was sort of going for. He was hoping maybe, you know, some boys would go and shoot Rick. yeah. Something like that, like... He wasn't going to outright kill him. He was always going to try and set him up in a way that he gets killed. Mm-hmm. So he just put him in a more dangerous position. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, at the end, I mean, this is the one scene I actually didn't really like that much is where he's talking to Rick at the end. And Rick's like, hey, you're just a fucking, you're crazy, man. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, you turned my bargaining power against me. I'm like, isn't this man been shot like three times? How is he, <laughs> how's how's he still he, sp- How's he have talking? enough energy to talk? And I'm like, this is, <laughs> that was honestly probably the most ridiculous scene in that film. That yeah, I, honestly. I actually was like, it sort of broke the whole atmosphere for me because I'm like, okay, like I get, I thought it would have been better if, like, Rick looked at him and then died and didn't say anything. Right. Because they've already showed those scenes with, like, with Bill Paxton's character, you know. You didn't see, you didn't say anything because this man is, like, in a fucking ventilator and shit like that. But, like, yeah, like, the fact that he's having, like, a whole speech with him about, oh, you're crazy or, oh, would you have done that, like... 
Oh, what do you what do you have? Uh, you would have just happened again. He's like, oh, maybe, man. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like this conversation is going on way too long. Just happened. Like, and he just dies instantly. <laughs> I hate when movies do that shit, man. I hate I'm it. Like, okay, this is a little, this is a little ridiculous. Yeah, it's not like he got shot the one time. You know, he got shot like five times. Yeah, and I was like, okay. But I just find it interesting. He said he used your my bargaining power against me. Like he still sees what he's doing as bargaining, as opposed to just straight up mm-hmm. black, like extorting like what he wants from people. Yeah. And that's what he's because that's what Rick was doing. He was extorting him for the money. Yeah, there's a reward money for catching these criminals, which was like fifty thousand dollars, which is a decent amount of money. And he's like, okay, well you got to give me half. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I will not. You know, I'll give you ten thousand. And he's like. Nope, half. And he's like, how'd you get to that number? He's like, well, there's two of us. Yeah. (laughs) Just basic common sense things. We're just like two of us. Yeah. No, man, for the guy who was homeless, uh, he was not, I I wouldn't call him stupid. I just think he was naive. He was very naive. It's like, like even in, even when (laughs) the one scene where it shows like he's buying better equipment and he buys like a fucking Ferrari or a Porsche or whatever it was. Uh, it was a Mustang event, no, or like Are you sure? a Camaro. Are you sure? I thought it was a Porsche. I don't know. It sounded. It looked anyway, like a like muscle car. Anyway, it was a pretty. It was a nice car. Yeah. I'm like, is Rick still getting paid thirty dollars a night? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, does this man not realize where this money? Like, if this man has enough money to buy this car, yeah, that he could afford to pay him a little more, like, yeah. He just, like, didn't question it the whole time. No, I think he did, though. I think there were a couple of scenes where he starts, like, talking... Not talking back, but, like, he starts saying things, like, not... Like, not... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, in your face about it, but he's kind of, like, throwing shade. Yeah, but he doesn't, like, outright say, like, hey, man, like... Yeah. You know, you can afford this car. Why don't you give me, like, $35 a night or something? Right, right. Like still obviously a very low amount. Exactly. So um, even if before he's like, oh yeah, I'm promoting you to executive vice president. He's like, what am I now? You're an assistant. <laughs> like, it's a, it's a bit of a leap. Yeah, <laughs> now vice president of company all the way from assistant in one second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to end things off, Jalen Hall did not get nominated for this. He did not. Um, we were talking about this earlier. There was a lot of very good, good films, films that year. That it is sort of weird. He didn't get nominated at all for. But there, like the amount of good films that came out this year, like let me just quickly look up off the top of the head. What do we say? Whiplash. Mm-hmm. Birdman. Birdman. Um, shoot, what else was? It? Just type in movies twenty fourteen. Yeah. Well. No, I'm more specifically looking for the actors. The actor nomination. You know, like best, best actors, yeah. Yeah, you know what? You can say that this film, yeah, sure, it wasn't the best. Like, you could put it in the repertoire of best films. It's a really great film, by the way. Not disclose Again, 2014 was insanely stacked with movies. You said John Wick came out that year. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Another good sci-fi film. Yeah, uh, I think it was... Was it 2014 2015? Well, for the Academy Awards, it would have been 2015. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, it's like, Jesus Christ. 
That was that was a year. <laughs> yeah, well, especially in the uh, American Sniper, Boyhood, Imitation Game. Boyhood. Yeah, that was a hell of a year for films. Yeah. So in terms of the acting category, like again, like it's tough because uh, Eddie Redmayne, Deary everything, he he did fucking phenomenal there. Steve Carell did Foxcatcher. That's he did a great role in that too. Um, I could take away Bradley Cooper out of American Sniper. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, he did Imitation Game, and Michael Keaton with Birdman. Like it's a it's a tough list. I understand that. Like, not getting a nomination, but I still think that, like, maybe you would have edged out Bradley Cooper, put Jake, put Jake in that category. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I think a lot of people agree Academy Awards has become a joke, literally to the point where it's actually just a meme now. <laughs> <laughs> they, needed a, they needed a Chris Rock slap in the face. They needed a man getting literally slapped in the face to make it relevant again. Are you trying to say that it was staged? Hot say, takes. I just say, you know, it's like that's all it talked about at the end of the you day. Could say Jake Gyllenhaal sort of getting sort of overlooked is a bit of a slap in the face, really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, guys, uh, we're closing in. Um, any final words? How long have we been talking? Forty minutes. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know, these films, we just had a lot to talk about. We basically, just, <laughs> we basically just ranted on about, like, the plot and Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. Exactly. Uh, we didn't even get into any, like, other stuff, like, uh, the cinematography or stuff. Right, well... Uh, I briefly mentioned the soundtrack. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, one minute hot take. Go for it. Uh, fuck, you put me on the spot. Yep, cinematography you talked about. Cinematography, um, good... <laughs> <laughs> Long shots, many, sort of. As as film goes on, gets more, <laughs> just a bit more, I guess, chaotic. Yeah. It starts off like there's a lot of long, steady shots in the opening scene of just like right, just displaying L.A. Just displaying L.A., displaying his characters, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time, not really showing people in general. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting because in like LA is a, a big city and it's weird to get shots with like no one in them, right? Even at night, like, mm-hmm. which I guess sort of is show. I guess was supposed to signify like his sort of isolation from everybody. He doesn't, yeah, he's not in society. He's just sort of in the city. He, uh, some will say he's a night crawler. Yeah, night crawler. Da, 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 da. So, <laughs> Yeah, Nightcrawler. Uh, so yeah, this was the origin story of Kurt Wagner, born in Bavaria, of uh, X-Men fame, actually. Yeah, he's, he's powers to teleport. Um, he teleported to the scene of the crimes? Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't make the most obvious joke here. Um, he, didn't own he would be really good at his job if he could just teleport to any fucking... It's actually like sort of a precursor to Joker where that's an alternate origin story. This is an alternate origin story of the X-Men character. Yeah, he didn't. He wasn't born in the circus and he didn't have blue skin. He just had, you know, just skinny as, as hell and it had like sort of man bun hair. <laughs> Yeah, he later be- develops the power to teleport to get to the crime scenes faster, actually. So. 
Okay, okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? Uh, Before we cross uh, the 45-minute mark. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was like one interesting theory I found, which I will briefly want to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I said, the base level of the film is about media, essentially media bad. <laughs> media bad, you know. You know. Uh, another f- theory of the film was Jake Gyllenhaal's character is supposed to represent... Uh, the whole movie is about capitalism in a way. Jake Rel- Gyllenhaal's mm-hmm. character is supposed to represent like a corporation. In a sense, it's sort of ruthless, uh, calculating, you know, emotionless. And they just right. like, does whatever it does to get ahead. Right. And I was like, that was an interesting take. I thought that this character is sort of like corporate America personified. Mm-hmm. Where he's like literally stepping over dead bodies, dead bodies to get what he needs to be. To get what he needs and is rewarded for it. So yeah, yeah. That well, yeah. This is actually one of the few f- films where the bad guy wins. wins in the end and gets everything he wants. Hey, hey, man! Last movie with kind of literally no repercussions at all to him. Oh well, I mean, in terms of repercussion, our last movie we talked about was kind of the same thing. Which I feel like is a theme going around here that we we like watching bad guy movies apparently. Yeah, <laughs> the last film, uh, No Country for Old Men, he, he doesn't actually. You're right; he doesn't suffer any repercussions. But at the same time, it's not like you were like he wasn't the protagonist of the film. He was very clearly the antagonist. But mm-hmm. the people in that film that like uh, Josh Brolin's character is obviously morally ambiguous as well. He's just right. willing to go to to steal money off like dead bodies, mm-hmm. essentially. But anyway, that's you can you can Look. listen to the last episode if you want to hear us talk about that. So <laughs> exactly. There's a whole other stuff. Anyway, that was the one theory I found interesting, and I was like, right. Other than that, um, it was a good movie. It's the first time I've seen it. I had zero expectations of going into it. I had no idea what it was about. Yeah. Um. Uh. Do you want to rate it or? Sh- Oh, oh. We're rating it out of 10, right? Uh, I will give it a... Uh, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10? I'll give it... I was, say, I was thinking like an 8.5. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Only thing I really didn't like was, again, like... The, the ending could have been a bit more... You know, I didn't like the fact that they killed off... Uh, Rick's character in that regard. And I felt like there's still some exploration we could have done with yeah. investigating uh, Lou. Yeah, they kind of really didn't like. They just kind of like after it just kind of trailed off in a way. It's just like yeah, he gets caught by the police and they they can't prove anything. He comes up with a made up story like oh they probably tracked me down. And, yeah. And then he just sort of gets away and then starts his own company in that city. He lives happily ever after. Yeah. I felt like you could still have a movie where the bad guy wins, but you know, I, I feel like a lo- there's there's a little bit left to desire. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the ending was definitely the weakest part of the film, in my opinion. Yeah, it just sort of it just sort of ended, but still, it was a good overall good movie. Jake Gyllenhaal did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you'd only ever seen him in Spider Man, then if you. If you think Mysterio is a master of manipulation, then <laughs> you gotta watch this film. It's a, right. a whole other level of <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, but uh, what's the next film we're doing? I think I said I wanted to do Cool Hand Luke. Yes, we're, we're gonna doing do that. We're doing an older film. It's a bit more upbeat. 
in a way. So less depressing than all these other films we've been watching. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but it's uh, we'll see you next week, I guess. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I know this might have been a little bit of a long one. Thank you for listening. If you have made it through uh, 48 minutes almost. Uh, thank you one more time. Cash in some credits. Episode 2. Take care. Bye.